everyone. Thank you for tuning into Unapologetically Different Podcasts. We are back for season three, episode 19. I just love the way you say that, Unapologetically Different Podcast. When you say it, it just makes me smile. <laughs> How was your weekend, Key? It was cool. I actually tried a new restaurant called um, Caliocho. It's like Latin food. It was really good. And also, they have some nice drinks. It's like in a hotel by West 81st Street, but like when you go off to the side of it, that's where the restaurant is very cozy and it's a nice decor mm. and the ambiance is amazing. I like that word too, decor. I'm oh. a I'm a very big word guy. Really? Yes. So what you did over the weekend? I went to the Made in America Music Festival. Check you out. It was definitely lit. I got to see Jay-Z. If you haven't heard our 444 album review episode, definitely go back and check that one out. That's actually our most popular episode to date, so mm-hmm. definitely go check that out. Um, got to see Migos, Salons, my love. I love you, baby. <laughs> yeah, she she killed it. She was busting it with the, the dance moves, and her voice is just even better in person. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, definitely a good time. I love music festivals for the summertime. I mean, how was it with the rain, though? Oh, my God. The rain was ridiculous. There was mud everywhere. Gross. Yeah, definitely. It would have been so much more fun and a better experience if it was sunny, shining, got to lay in the grass, relaxing. But at the end of the day, always got to look for that silver lining. Got to be with my friends. Got to listen to some dope music, meet some cool people. So overall, very good experience. Great. That's what's up. Thank you. Thank you. So now, let's get into it. For those of you who've been keeping up with Insecure, it is getting interesting per episode. Yes. I love <laughs> it. The show is so good. Um, the recent episode, Molly, for those who've been caught up with the season, um, Molly is sleeping with her childhood friend. Name, his name is Dro, and he is married. And Molly is friends with Dro and his wife. Apparently, Dro has informed Molly that him and his wife are in an open relationship, and it was his wife's decision. Which is kind of interesting. And as you've been watching the seasons with Molly, she kind of fluctuates with the guys that she's with for particular reasons or whatever the case may be. She may not make the best choices for some people, but I I love her character. Honestly, I feel like she's very relatable um, and realistic in certain aspects. Yeah, definitely. And she's like a ride-or-die friend. Yeah. Outside of any flaws some people may say about her, she's definitely loyal. And I like her character as well, too. She's one of my best, favorite characters. Yeah, so um, she definitely is, along with Issa and also Kelly. I love Kelly. Kelly's funny. Yeah, I actually She just, gives no fucks. And I just found out that she's like um, one of the writers on the show as she well. She is. So that's, pro- that's definitely why this show's so good. They just got funny people. They do. And then also with Kelly as well, just to kind of bring it in. She's a completely different person in real life because she did like a, a sit down with Issa after the episode and she was like... I am not like that. I give all the fucks in the world and my character doesn't care, which is great. You're able to kind of switch it up and be a different person. Yeah. And people embrace her character, which I think it's amazing. So in regards to this latest episode and Molly and Dro and this whole situationship, do you think <laughs> Molly's in the wrong for engaging in sexual acts with Dro? Damn. To be honest, I feel like he's in an open relationship and if his wife is cool with that and they put it out there... I don't think she's wrong for for in, basically entertaining that relationship, but it just, me personally, that'd just be weird, especially because you know the girl that he's with. It would be one thing if you meet some guy, you find out he's in an open relationship, and then you guys do your thing, but when you have to interact with the girl and then the fact that they're married, for me, it's just a little, it's a little too much entanglements in there going on but I can't get mad at her at the end of the day like he said it's his wife's decision and he's open with it she told him so she's she's all clear in my book I don't know about that whole wife decision thing because like when they were at the party the friends dinner mm-hmm. um where Ish went left but when they were at the party it's like Molly was like awkward or weird around his wife and I was kind of confused because I'm like and also, more so, question directed towards you is that if Molly was open to the whole open relationship concept, then why act brand new when his wife was present? Like, I feel like you should just be chill. Like, this is what you want to do, so go with the flow. Well, I think I feel you're not being fair to her. Like, it's her first time actually being in the room after she had sex with his husband. Like, 
she said 17 plus times or whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's her first time. She's not used to open relationship. She literally just found out her, her dad cheated on her mom and that like destroyed her. So like she's not used to being in this role. She was always looking for a perfect relationship. So I think even if she was comfortable with the idea, the actual reality of that situation and having her in her presence just was different and she's getting adjusted to having to like be in that position. But you know what strikes me as interesting is that to know that her mom continued to be with her father and he cheated on her and she's in a similar situation. She's the other woman. Yeah. Kind of. It's like, why continue that even though you were highly affected by your parents' situation? Yeah. And then she was like, in this previous episode, she was questioning her mother as to why she stayed. Yeah. And her mother was like, you know, he treated me good. Those are the parts that she was more concerned about than opposed to him messing up. So, um, which tends to be a common ground in situations where people are cheated on. You kind of have to kind of get over that yeah. obstacle. And if you decide you want to stay with that person, you can. If not, then you can move forward. But more so to bring it back home, I've noticed that it's become a trend with the side pieces, side chicks, side dudes phenomenon. And I just want to know, do you think that's mostly common among our generation or it's always been about? No, I definitely think infidelity has been around since probably the caveman's like <laughs> but now it's like infidelity has always been around but i feel like now it's explicit where it's like so and so may have a so like in in the context of like let's kind of bring some example like scandal mm-hmm. you know like people dislike olivia pope because it was like she is considered team melly you know she she's a side piece even mm-hmm. though people say she's not and it's a back and forth like in terms of terming of the word or whatever the case may be However, it's like you played a part in that and the relationship being damaged. And I think in some aspects it has infidelity has always existed, but now it's like it's more open concept where it's like, okay. Oh, definitely. I definitely think that's the case. Like like you were saying before, in our generation now it's like it's cool not to not to give a fuck. It's like whatever. Like I think just in general, when it comes to infidelity, cheating, if you're already doing that or engaging in that, you already have a level of you don't care because you're taking the action. But I just think, especially with like social media and the age that we're in now, people are definitely putting it more out there. Like uh, SZA, um, mm-hmm. with her new album, one of her songs, The Weeknd, yeah. and she talks about you have him Monday through Friday. He has another girl as well, but I take care of him on the weekends. It's like, in our generation now, it's like, whatever. It, some people feel like they're winning being the side piece, and other mm-hmm. people, they they just... It's just so many different ways of looking at it now, and I think people are just comfortable playing that side villain role. Yeah, not completely understanding that. You make a very valid point on that, which is like... That's what I'm saying. Like, at what point is that not going to be okay? Where it's like, I don't know. we're going into this, like, I feel like it's becoming a phenomenon in a sense. Yeah. At what point is it not going to be that? Yeah. So that's something that I was, like, thinking about. That's funny. I actually have a friend, you made me think, I had a friend who said, oh, uh, yeah, she has a boyfriend. And he was like, perfect. I love girls with boyfriends. I'm like, oh, my God. You're, like, you're literally the worst. I will not name any names. But... Oh, no. You don't have to. <laughs> but I got a name for him. But it's it's <laughs> crazy, though, because, like you said, this generation, people are just moving differently, so I don't know. It's sad, but, like, it's happening, and it's becoming a situation, in a sense. Yeah. So, yeah, moving on, and during this same episode, Lawrence actually brought his mm-hmm. new relationship slash situationship to slash colleague slash oh damn <laughs> I definitely did not even think about that part of it <laughs> slash his colleague um to his friend Derek's birthday party um and I feel like he's getting a lot of slack because he brought her to the party but he had no idea it was like a sit down dinner seating arrangements they fancy it was really nice actually so I feel like he looked stupid for bringing a date where he knew his ex was going to be. And it was, there wasn't even enough space for her to be there, actually. But it, it makes you, like, think about when is it, when is it like, the right time to bring an, like, your new 
relationship around, especially if it's going to be somewhere your ex is going to be or where your friends are going to be as well? What, how do you, what do you think about that? Um, well, two things. I would put all the blame on Lawrence for bringing her because he did tell her they had plans to go out for drinks that night and right. he wanted to push it back for the dinner um, party. And she basically invited herself because right. she was like, do you want me to come with you? So I think in that part, I could understand because she invited herself. I would have rather he say, listen, I don't think that's a good idea. We can meet up afterwards. But he wasn't aggressive in that approach. So I don't put the full blame on him. However. He was trying to make her jealous. He knows what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. But at the same time, the chick invited herself. True. He did attempt to say we could meet later on. So <laughs> that's why I'm just, if he had said, yo, my friend is having something come through, I would be like, oh, he planning and plotting. Yeah. But it was an urgency there. So I was like, I kind of. I'm, you know, I'm kind of looking out for him right here, but this is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> but when he got to it, um, I think to bring it back to your question, I don't think it's appropriate to bring someone that you're starting to talk to, because they're not in a relationship, they're just starting out, yeah. around your friends and stuff, because you don't know where it's going to go, especially in the context of a birthday party or dinner. I feel like birthday parties or dinner, they're intimate settings. Yeah. Whether he thought it was going to be in a club or whatever the case may be, they're still intimate settings for a purpose. That is true. And... I don't think you should bring your new potential bait around that. And it's so funny because one of my guy friends said something to me like years ago, which is still ring true to me. He was like, don't bring around nobody you're talking to around your friends and your family. Because if that goes left, everybody going to ask, what happened to so-and-so? How so-and-so is doing? It's just like, we wasn't even in a relationship to begin with. We were just talking. And you know, that, that person may grow on my family and friends and they may like them. So I, I personally think you should bring your your new, like, relationship or new bay around your family and friends not when you just talking because you never know a lot could happen from this from y'all talking to the meeting your peoples and to y'all not having nothing or potentially having something a lot can happen within that time frame so to me i just thought it was too soon for him to be bringing her around and it was awkward she was just sitting there looking like yeah you know what i'm saying like why are you here i feel like in certain situations there's certain people you could bring around even if it might be like an intimate setting because there's, I feel like there's certain people who are just going to talk, who are going to be fun, social, and they just are good at interacting with people. Yeah. She seemed more of like the reserve type. Like, and I sometimes, even if I'm talking to someone and they are cool, some people just are just they're open when you're in that single one-on-one setting. But then once you bring them around other people, it's like, do you not know how to speak anymore? Like, yeah. you're making me just look like I just brought that weird, quiet person. Like, so I think I think it's all relative. And for me personally, um, I've always I've never had any like weird feelings around people meeting my friends or my family, whether we're talking or in a serious relationship, whatever the case may be. I just from young, like I remember the first time I brought a girl over. Like, my mom just happened to walk by because we were sitting in the living room. And my family, they're just very talkative, inviting, friendly. So she was like, you guys want something to drink? I'm about to cook. Are you hungry? So it's like she met my mom, even though there wasn't a real relationship there. We had just started hanging out. And this is, like, in high school. So from that perspective, I, I kind of just, everything has grown from that. Like, I don't mind bringing new people around because if you're cool, people get along with yeah. you, That that's fine. And regardless of whether we work out or we're working to be something more, I I don't, me personally, I don't have any issue in it. Like, if you want to bring me around your parents, parents love me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like 100 and 0 with parents. <laughs> I don't know with me. I think from a personal experience, there was a guy that I was talking to. He brought me around his family. Um, literally like his, most of his family members and they liked me. I liked them. We got along, but we did not progress into a relationship. Right. And to me, I felt like, I feel like I liked him more because I met his family and I got to know who they were right. and I could kind of envision myself being around them more and stuff like that. Right. So to me, it's like from that experience and even prior experience, I was just like, I don't know if I want to bring someone I'm just talking to around, especially my family that's really near and dear to my heart or like my friend's per se, because, like, you just don't know. But if it's, like, solidified and we have something real and it's a relationship, I bring you around because I have something. There's something there. There's a foundation there. But to, like, we're just talking. I just feel like there are times when it could be a bit too soon because you just never know where it could go. And then what if you bring that person around somebody 
you just talking to the person. You run around your friends. They love that person. Then y'all don't end up being together. Then you go be with someone else. And it's a real relationship. You bring them around there and they don't really be like, oh, I like so-and-so better. And yeah. it just becomes this awkward thing where it's like, well, so-and-so and I did not even become in a relationship. So I don't even understand how you still pressed on that. Yeah. So, but I understand. I see where you're coming from regarding that. Yeah. But what I liked within that um, episode two was towards the ending when they went outside. Her and, like, Lawrence had it out in a real argument. And he came out his mm. neck. What? Calling Shorty a hoe. For sleep for cheating on him and I was just kinda like, What? Like, are you serious right now? What so I'm guessing you think she's a hoe. Because your facial I, No, no, no. I didn't say way. she was a hoe. I'm just saying they they both had a lot of anger, a lot of venom, and I felt like I was watching like a heavyweight fight. That fight was better than like the McGregor Mayweather fight. <laughs> they were just going back and forth, they're swinging like uppercuts <laughs> like they were just going at it. They went at it. Yeah. OD. I, I loved it. I felt like that that scene looked like it was just like impromptu from the heart. Like I feel like I've been in that fight before. <laughs> Probably have been in several of them. No, no, no. I've never got cheated on. As far as I know. <laughs> I'll keep it that way. <laughs> Ign- so, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Yeah, now this. So do you think that she's a whole cheating on him? Um, no, definitely not. I think when it comes to cheating, everyone has the potential to do that. But just because you cheat, that doesn't really define the character of that person. Because I think anyone can get put into a situation or, like, circumstances or things that are happening in their life can get you to the point where you make that mistake. Because we're all capable of making mistakes. But I think you really need to look at the character of that person overall and ask yourself, is this, like, is this who that person is? Because there are some people, cheating is just, that's part of their nature. They They just wake up cheating. Exactly. So I and I think we all have we know we all know people who are like that. So I think again you just got to ask yourself is this the character of that person? And I think in Issa's case it's not at all. She was with him for 5 years supporting him financially, emotionally just like she said on the episode and he just wasn't there for her. He wasn't being like that strong confident guy that she fell in love with and there was just a series of events that got her to that point where she made one mistake and literally after she did it, she regretted it and tried to like act like it didn't happen and just move past it because that's not her character. So I definitely don't think she's a hoe. I think she just made a mistake. Yeah, and I'm glad you kind of pointed that out because I feel like some of your species, the Lawrence Hobbs is quick to be like, she a hoe, she a hoe. Some of y'all cheating. They cheated several times and don't even consider yourself whores, much less a hoe. But to make it more like relatable in the context of the show too, it was like when she spoke about supporting him, and he never really took accountability. I noticed that through this season and last season, like she held you down. Yeah. You know, emotionally, physically, financially. She even says like, "How much more am I supposed to do?" And I feel like there are women who are in circumstances like this. And even when she said that to him, because his app that he was working on, she's like, where your app at? Mm-hmm. And that it didn't really, it didn't get launched through his company because I believe that some of his colleagues really did not have faith in it and did not think it could be like profitable or successful. But it's like, here you had a woman who supported you this whole time, was there with you from the beginning. Granted, she did cheat. She was, I'm not going to say Izzy was right for cheating. It was wrong. I'm going to keep it 100. But she supported you. She was there for you. And it's like the fact that he doesn't take any form of accountability. Like, listen, I'm sorry. That, you know, that you've done all of this for me and it's just like, I kind of left you in the dust. And it's not even just that. It's like you cheated and it was like she was the worst person around. I get it. He got his heart broken. I completely understand it. But he doesn't take accountability for the fact that he has, in a, I wouldn't say broken heart, but has hurt her throughout the relationship because he didn't live up to his duties of what he's supposed to do. And just defending Lawrence because, you know, hashtag Lawrence Hive. Um Mm-hmm. I feel like if she wasn't still having sex with the guy that she cheated on him with, he might be able to, like, kind of take stock of everything that happened and, like, take accountability for his role in it. But when you got cheated on and then you break up and then you find out that your ex is still having sex with the person they cheated on you with... That shit hurts. But he did not know that she was still having sex. He's seen a picture on Facebook. Right, and this is the first time they had a real interaction since then. Because he blocked her on some petty wop shit. But not even just that, though. It's like, how can you say that he's still 
cheating or she's still cheating. She tried to win him back and he was oh, not trying to Oh, no, no, no. She's not still cheating, but the fact that she's still having sex that's literally like throwing salt in the wound like and it's the same guy like so so Lauren's coming over for his clothes and dead ass having sex with her on the couch without a condom because we spoke about the condom controversy last episode that's cool uh mhm they both they're adults that's what they decided to do what don't do that what don't do that don't do that. So, like, basically, you're saying that it's not okay that she's still having relations with Daniel. And I do get that. But oh. at the same time, she has tried to retrieve her relationship and been trying to make it work. He was with Natasha and then two chicks in the bed. And now look where he at with a colleague. Like, who's next? Like, at some point, it's yeah. like, what is she supposed to do? He's on a, well, we'll see what happens next episode because apparently she was going to the, he was going to the apartment, so... But no, we will. We will no, be talking about it too. And and I definitely, I hundred percent think he should take responsibility for his part of it. That's kind of like how I like to live my life. Like you can't control what people say and do to you, but you always have that power to take responsibility of how you're gonna let that affect you, how you're gonna react to it. So you always are able to put yourself in a position of power when you take responsibility over your actions or how you react to other people or the environment around you. So I definitely think he needs to take ownership there. Pierre dropping gems, y'all. Listen closely. Ooh, kill him. All right, relax. (laughs) So moving on. Last week at the MTV Video Music Awards, Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, or as most people know him by his stage name, Logic, performed a very powerful song called 1-800-273-8255 featuring Alisa Cara and Khaled. So for those who don't know, the song is about suicide and the prevention and just speaking about just mental illnesses. And it definitely is has a very powerful message if you haven't heard it. We actually want to share a quick clip, a quote that Logic said after they actually performed the song at the award show. take a moment right now and thank you all so much for giving me a platform to talk about something that mainstream media doesn't want to talk about mental health anxiety suicide depression and so much more that i talk about on this album from racism discrimination sexism domestic violence sexual assault and so much more i don't give a damn if you're black white or any color in between i don't care if you're christian you're muslim you're gay you're straight i am here to fight for your equality because i believe that we are all born equal but we are not treated equally and that is why we must fight. We must fight for the equality of every man, woman, and child, regardless of race, religion, color, creed, and sexual orientation. So I say here and now, if you believe in this message and my message of peace, love, and positivity and equality for all, then I demand that you rise to your feet and applaud not only for yourselves, but for the foundation we are laying for our children. So I really liked what Logic had to say after his performance of the song just because it really resonated with a lot of the topics that we talk about. And the part that I really resonated was when he said, I demand that you rise to your feet and not not applaud not only for yourselves, but for the foundation we're laying for the children. And that's something you really got me present to, just taking stock of like what actions and things that we're doing and how we're just portraying ourselves, how the younger generation looks at that. And... I think being able to come out and speak about mental health issues and suicide, which is a very sensitive topic, and there are a lot of people who are suffering and dealing with this, and oftentimes it's alone, and and they, they don't really have someone to bring that out to or may not feel comfortable. So just seeing someone talk about this in their music and just bringing it to the forefront and using hip-hop as that platform, mm-hmm. I think that was pretty dope and special, so... Um, yeah, I really like that performance. Uh, so the first verse of the song is actually sung from the perspective of a person who has already given up on their life and they're ready to end it. The second verse showcases a response of a suicide hotline crisis worker sung by Alyssa Cara. And then the third verse by Khaled, um, which is at the end of the song, is uh, from the perspective of a suicidal caller who realized the endless possibilities of their future 
And again, definitely just a powerful performance. If you actually haven't checked it out or haven't heard the song, you should definitely go and do so. Um, yeah, the performance was really good. Um, I think that it was very impactful in terms of like, so on the stage, he had a lot of people on the stage. As people may have not known that he was joined by 50 suicide attempts and lost survivors who were dressed in white t-shirts that read, You Are Not Alone. And I think that's very impactful because not like he just got random people to come on stage to kind of fill the stage, but he had people who actually could resonate with this song and been in similar situations. And I thought that was really heartfelt. And the people that he brought on stage, they were all different background, creed, race, religion. It, it wasn't one person, you know, and I think that's very important and we need to see that. Also, too, um, it's the reason why his song was really popular in a sense, too, and why it has such an effect is that, you know, this was one of the rappers' ongoing relationship with National Suicide Prevention Line, Lifeline. And that was as to the reason to why he had people on the stage as well. And the aftermath of the performance, which is like, it was like the hot topic, which I thought was very interesting, is that according to CNN, there was about 50% increase in the call volume since the performance to the suicidal hotline. Um, and the birth of this song, just to kind of give a bit of a context to it, is that Logic had conducted an interview in New York Post and he stated that he found him, himself in a dark place in the late 2015. He states, I was so scared because I, I was taught I had to work, work, work because I thought I might only be around for five years, Logic said. I thought I wasn't good enough to last. Um, and through that, he kind of seen the light and he started to say no to things. And he also commented stating that I turned down really well-paid shows all over the world because I want to spend more time with my my wife and myself. I could sit here and think I got all these people around me that I need to pay, which is true, but ain't nobody getting paid if I'm dead. Mm, I love that. Um, and I think that's important. Like, I like that he kind of shined a light that he was at a point where he was really depressed and being overwhelmed and living up to the demands of being in, this, in the music industry and trying to remain relevant and always got to work. And I think oftentimes we get so caught up in working, whether we're a part of that industry or not, um, especially work-related, you become so overwhelmed. It's like, at what point do you have a cutoff? And I think more so, pertaining to you, Pierre, like, is it important that we say no when we are overwhelmed with things? Oh, I think that's crucial. And that's something I've had a real struggle with just being able to not know when I'm taking on too much work. Like, you know, when people ask you on those interviews, like, what are some of your the bad side, your negative mm -hmm. like character traits? And that's definitely something that I always go with. Sometimes I'm just willing to just take on too much. And I think when you're completely overwhelmed, you really can't give your best to everything that you're trying to do. So I think those no's are just as important as to what you say yes to. And I think they might be even more important because when you say no to certain things, you're just giving yourself freedom and space to say yes to the things that are important that you actually want to create for your life or you want to add time and value to so definitely knowing when to say no i think is a, a i think it's a super skill and most people don't have it or or just kind of really overlook it especially with like social media and like just things online just constantly trying to grab your attention and mm -hmm. just distracting you from whatever it's important to you and whatever you're trying to do with your life so knowing when to say no and just not get blown in the wind by all the different distractions that are going on, I think is crucial. Yeah, no, it's very crucial. And I think about it on a different scale because, like, kind of play devil's advocate. I think, like, you know, like someone like me, like I like to be very productive and have a lot going on in my plate, and I do pray on things. I'm very religious in that aspect. And I think that, you know, it goes along with the saying, you know, you pray to God for all of these things and then you get it, it happens all at once and it's like you can't handle it. And I always think about that, especially if I see like a meme going around like, you know, you pray on these things, you get them and it's just like, you can't say, you can't pray to be fed and now you got a whole full plate and now it's like you can't handle it, but it's what you prayed on. And I think for me, I kind of fall into that dilemma where it, I... And it was really difficult for me to say no to things because I'm always trying to do things and take on projects. Um, but I've noticed with me, if I say yes to something, I commit to it wholeheartedly. I don't just put, I'm not half-assed on it. So I always think about it. Like, let me think about it. Because if I got to put in on this, I got to think about how much time I'm going to, 
how much time is going to be taken away from all the other things I'm doing, how much time I could dedicate to it, if I could balance it. So now I actually step back and I'm able to reflect on those things. So I am at a point where I'm comfortable with saying no, but then I also second guess myself too, because you know, at the same time you want to have things going on. And I like to be productive too. It's not like I'm the type that I want to lay around and not have anything to do. So I like to be able to manage my time and time management is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think you touch a very valid point and learning how to say no and when to say no. And I think that's something that really triggered with him actually. And it being a huge part of this song is because, you know, you just have to know when to say no, when to walk away and not even so, but like, you can't give yourself to everybody. You can't be everything for everyone. Like, you have to be something for yourself first and take yourself as a priority. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I know for me, as a breaking point, my body tells me when I take on too much, when I get migraines. Uh -huh. I get, like, a lot of... I will get, like, if I'm really busy and I have a lot going on and I really can't juggle it, but I won't tell anyone, I just kind of keep it to myself, and it gets very overwhelming, I will get, like, two, three migraines a day, and that's is a clear sign for me, I have to stop. Mm. So that is like my breaking point. What about you? Well, I just want to say, I really love that you said that because like I, I talk to you about meditation all the time and like one thing I really love about it is it really got me present to the idea of just awareness and mindfulness. And like you said, your body will give you cues mm -hmm. um, to let you know you're being overwhelmed, you're tired, you're happy. But I think like you said, we're especially like millennials working, working, working. Shout outs to Rihanna and Drake. Um, <laughs> just like, but literally just constantly whizzing and going. We, a lot of people don't even get, take the time to really stop and just like see how their body feels, see how their mind feels. Because sometimes you can just be exhausted, but you're just, you're just constantly going. And I like how you said you the migraines for you. That's like a reminder, like okay, I'm doing too much. I need to give my time, my body, some time to rest. And this topic definitely resonates with me a lot because I personally definitely went through depression um, from maybe about two, three years ago. Where, like Logic was saying, I was working a lot. Work was pretty much my entire life. I really wasn't taking time to actually focus on my mental health, just my overall well-being. I started putting on a lot of weight. I was just feeling depressed a lot. My life just became spending a lot of time at work and then coming back home, laying on my couch, watching TV late into the night, and then just doing it over. And, mm -hmm. and, and then on top of that, going out, partying, like living that lifestyle mixed with just not being happy about the situation I was in and my relationships, just nothing was really working for me at that time. Um, so I definitely, it definitely resonated a lot with me, like just getting present to how you actually feel, how you what your body's telling you, and then being able to say no and just step away from the things that are not empowering you, not making you feel better, bringing that vitality our life to you because it's is it really worth it if something that you're doing isn't making you happy but you're putting so much time into it, yeah. it I think that's important to really stop and just reevaluate it so yeah this, this whole topic in general it's definitely resonates a lot with me because like I said just I've actually experienced it and been through it as well but I don't think I've ever had any thoughts about actual suicidal thoughts but i've definitely had thoughts of is this shit even worth it what am i even doing here like i really want to just hit the reset button just leave the country get out of the united states i was ready to go live in france and just start over brand new like i definitely i didn't want to be around the the life that i created for myself i just wanted to escape and get away from it and yeah it was definitely an interesting time but I think everything you go through, you got to put the right perspective onto it, the perspective that's going to be empowering to you. And I think it definitely opened me up to just looking at the world in a different way. And it's definitely helped me grow to become the person I am today, actually being having to go through that. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that. No, I think it's good. And I'm glad that you share it because it actually makes us more relatable and resonate to our audience for those who are listening. 
Um, I could say the same thing as well pertaining to um, my past. And I was in a very dark place when I was um, attending law school. I was not in a good space and I was very depressed. And I did have suicidal thoughts. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be very honest about that. And it was hard for me to admit it. I didn't really discuss it with anyone, disclose it, because, like, I represent myself as a strong black woman. You know what comes along with that title. And sometimes putting on that mask and playing that part becomes very burdensome and it becomes very overwhelming. And um, I, when I was in that place and I was having those thoughts, I was just like, you know, I need to seek help in some aspects because this is not healthy it's not okay and at the time one of my closest friends she was seeing a life coach and I was like what you seen a life coach like you strong the way you carry yourself or whatever and then I realized within that commentary I had my own ignorance towards it because I'm like she may carry herself as a strong black woman yes but doesn't mean she doesn't need help and you know it's the same thing I'm saying now and because of her I actually end up seeing her life coach and which I truly love her she's great and has really changed my life in some aspects and well not some in a lot of ways and it's been very helpful. And um, so I've been in a place like that where I've had suicidal thoughts and just feel like, you know, maybe I'm not enough or I'm not happy and I'm really depressed. And I think it's big that we talk about these things and we have these conversations and that songs like that are created and they're performed at award shows. And they have people on stage who can actually relate. They came from those situations, even though everyone's situation is different. I think it's very important. I think it's so powerful because we rarely ever see that, and especially um, in, the, in the realm of hip-hop and stuff like that, songs like that being created. And I think it's very imperative. Yeah. Um, again, you're just bringing up, like, thoughts in my head that's got to share. Like, like I tell you, I love science and mm -hmm. just looking at things from that perspective. I saw a TED Talk, and if I could find it, I'll definitely put it in the show notes once we get this episode online. But it talked about a lot of times people use drugs like alcohol, weed, or whatever, drugs, opiates, as a way of just escaping reality and dealing with, just not having to deal with the reality of their life. It's just like a, an escape. And I never really thought about it in that, in that way. And they... In the TED Talk, they basically say how we vilify people who are addicted to drugs, but when by vilifying them and making them feel bad about their addictions, we're basically shunning them and pushing those people away. But that's literally the opposite of what science shows is what will help people with addiction because the opposite of addiction is actually connection and mm -hmm. feeling love and feeling that connection with people. And that's why when you said that you reached out to the life coach, having someone that you could speak to, someone to share with. I think that's that's such a powerful thing. Like, a lot of times people who are dealing with depression or these mental health issues, I think the natural reaction for us is to just keep it to ourselves, not share with people. We don't want to look weak. But actually reaching out to people, sharing, those are the things that are actually going to make that difference, just having that support system. Because we're just social yeah. beings. like. Our relationships are probably the most important factor in our life of, outside of everything that we could do. And so, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. No. I was, if I could find it, I'll definitely put that in the notes as well. No, I'm glad you shared that, especially with TED Talks. So they're so popular. And I think that um, commentary pertaining to utilizing drugs and, and alcohol is a form of depression, too. And people use it to cover up and escape. Um, you know, everybody has different things that they have to deal with and they have to balance it out accordingly. But... I do think it's a conversation to be have as a society more on occasions and not like what you said to vilify those people for those um, circumstances. Yeah. So just and kind of along the same lines, there was an interview conducted by Styles P on The Breakfast Club on August 16th. He talked about his stepdaughter, Tay Styles, who committed suicide back in June 2015 at the age of 20 years old. He and his wife... Aduja spoke about coping with the daughter's death and his wife his wife's assessment was that she may have been depressed missing home trying to be an adult and she was bisexual so she was struggling with her she was also struggling with her biological father not being around and him being an absentee dad so all of those things that she was actually going through Styles P and and his wife they actually talked about how they didn't really know what their daughter was dealing with and 
she had she was going through all these issues but they didn't realize how how deep it was and how much it was actually affecting her until it was actually too late and she took her life and i think that's just that's interesting especially like in the black community when it comes to mental health like you said there was a stigma to having a life coach or even an insecure when molly got her um her therapist just i think in the black community as well having a therapist it's like why do you have a therapist exactly definitely taboo like are you you're crazy like what do you mean you're talking to someone about your feelings and your problems and your emotion like um that's why that's why i just love that show they just (laughs) they really tackle and talk about everything yeah (laughs) no it's true and they they hit on a lot of points but um to bring it back in terms of the interview with styles p the her mother um his wife and the mother of his stepdaughter had mentioned that i really like that she pointed out this because i think it tends to be lost in when we talk about same-sex relations and the mother had admitted that they casually looked at the daughter's relationship with another woman because they were in a um, same-sex relationship that they didn't view it as intimidating or threatening or harmful because they were two females um so when um they were having any kind of altercation they didn't really think that it was serious or detrimental because once again they were in a same-sex relationship and she discussed it because um, the mother and Styles P, which is his wife, are going to, they're actually producing a book pertaining to dealing with the coping with losing their child and also like the aftermath of suicide and stuff like that. Um, so the book should be coming out soon, apparently. They're working on that, still in the works. But what I like was that she mentioned that about viewing her daughter's relationship because I think oftentimes that we think that same-sex couples don't go through the same kind of you know up and downs or obstacle as a heterosexual couple and the fact that they may have looked down at her relationship or viewed it as casual Mm -hmm. you know she was with a guy and they had sensed there was some kind of issue or intimidating they probably would have intervened and played more of a role but because she was with a woman they didn't think that it was that kind of relationship and it's a I believe it's it's a common misconception of how we view same-sex relationships. And I think that's something that should be dispelled. And I really like that she brought that up in the interview. She didn't have to say that, but she did. And she was being very honest. She's like, I'm going to be honest about it. And she really admitted to her own form of ignorance when it came to how she viewed their relationship. And also, too, another part of the interview that was really, like, touching was Styles P. He got really emotional when he was discussing... Um, his daughter that passed away and also the relationship she had with her biological father apparently the biological father wasn't around as much and that's something that she dealt with too and he like really spoke about that and literally started crying and i thought that was really important because you know we talk about mental health and we talk about how it plays a part within a black community but also too like how if you take it a step further too with black men and how they perceive it too um, you know, in relations to Jay-Z, um, 444 album, when we broke it down, he spoke about having a therapist and kind of slipped that verse in there real quick. But it's just like, he does have a therapist, you know what I'm saying? And here's this dude who, um, came from Brooklyn, he's supposed to be hard and all of this stuff. And it's like, now he has a therapist and I hope for the men out there who are listening that it was more of a, it was more of an encouragement for them or a motivation to seek whether they want to get a therapist, a life coach, or whatever, along those lines, trying to work on self-care and mental health. So to see Styles P talk about that and the fact that he was really emotional, I thought that was really important. And I think it was one of the best interviews I've seen, honestly. And with him and his wife really discussing how they wish they had played more of a part. They wish they had known. And that's another problem with people who commit suicide. Family and friends don't know what's going on because they may put on a mask. They act like they're fine, but in all actuality, they're not. And their late daughter, she's beautiful, by the way. Um, so it's really unfortunate that she lost her life at a young age. And um, just to kind of bring it back to Logic's um, song and how in, you know, the music video of the song is basically the man sees his future of him if he did not commit suicide. And eventually down the road, he, like, a full circle, he, he, had, he was married and he had a child. And it would have been nice if their daughter had experienced that down the road, if she had her life was able to come full circle and she didn't take her own life but unfortunately these things happen and I'm glad that we're discussing it on our show and I'm so happy that Logic was able to make that performance because it's really important so they the Styles P interview was actually talked about on 
the Everyday Struggle show where Joe Budden, after viewing the interview, he actually got very emotional as well because he can relate to depression due to his um, documented bipolar disorder. And he speaks about the little things that matter. For instance, someone on Twitter actually asking him, how, how are you doing today? And I think that's, that's really important because a lot of times like we're always just whizzing, going, just kind of in full steam ahead. And just taking that time to just check in on someone you care about, like that's very important as well too because everyone probably has that really strong person that they know they get their things done, they get things handled, but sometimes it can be easy to forget, hey, that person has feelings and deals with stuff the same way everyone does. So sometimes it's important just to even check on that person who we perceive as strong and, and everything's always perfect and great in their life because at the end of the day, we all deal with the same thing. So uh, I like that he really, he brought that up, how he just, it makes him feel good when even a random stranger reaches out to him to see how he's doing because, again, he has his documented issues with depression and his bipolar disorder disease. Um, and he brings up the fact that more people in hip-hop need to use their platform to speak about mental health and how most of the most of our favorite artists in hip-hop deal with mental health issues. And I, I thought that was... I thought that was really powerful as well, too, because I, I listened to trap music. I like it. I was hearing all that when I was at the festival. But when you really stop and listen to what the lyrics are saying, like people are talking about taking mollies, because that apparently is like, that's the new thing in music now. Everyone's on molly. Um, mollies, Percocet, Xanax, weed, alcohol. Like, it's it's like you're hearing constantly people just saying... They're just abusing drugs, and it, it granted it's on a dope beat, something you could dance to. But like Joe Budden said, these artists are actually expressing with themselves and sharing what they're going through. And sometimes we gotta actually stop and kind of take a step back and hear what they're actually saying to, because realize this is a way people can be actually asking for help by sharing what they're going through. And even if they're not asking for that help just hearing these things that people are doing to themselves like it can I think it's important that the people who are around them actually have these conversations like maybe like and like you say dissect what's the root cause or why you're doing these things to yourself because I personally I know like when I told you I was dealing with depression a few years ago I never thought about alcohol as a way of escaping but I realized that had become a pattern I after work it's like, okay, time to hit the bar. And it seemed normal to hit the bar after work. It was like happy hours. But for me, it was really an escape of just getting away from the reality of the situation that I just wasn't happy in. And it definitely was a vicious pattern where I would be depressed at work, go out drinking, drink way too much, especially since I'm a lightweight, and literally forget things that happened to me the night before. So it's definitely important when it comes to just seeing what your friends, family, people are doing, especially when it comes to drug and alcohol abuse, because even if they're not saying anything to you, their actions are little signs and cues to see what people are actually dealing with. And sometimes we can be that one to just say, Hey, I'm noticing a pattern. I'm noticing something. And does anything you want to talk about? How are you feeling? How are you dealing with life or whatever? feel like I'm talking a lot. No, I think you make a lot of valid points. And I think to kind of bringing it back in terms of when Jay-Z spoke about having a therapist and then even with like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, I feel like they're more on a more conscious level. And also they, with their albums, they kind of cater to self-care um, and the evolution of black men and self-care, which I think is important. Um, I just want to know your take on it. Do you think... You know, with the Kendrick Lamar to J. Cole, and even with 444 album, I just think it was like a homage to the black community. I think it was more so for black men than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of takeaways from it, but I feel like it was needed for you guys. So needed. Um, I just want to throw Big Sean in that list, too. And also, too, Big Sean. Yeah. That's very important as well, because he did talk about suicidal stuff on his album as well. And he always talked about meditation and spirituality. I yeah, no, that's yeah. really true. I forgot about him. Sorry about that, Big Sean. But um, Sean Don. do you think that hip-hop artists will now produce more songs pertaining to mental health and suicide? Because it's... 
I wouldn't say it's becoming a trend, but it's happening among several of them. Do you think at some point it's going to become widespread where it's going to be like other artists are going to either have the album, not not an album, but they're going to either either dedicate a whole album to it or have like a song or two on the album solely for like the forms of depression, mental health and suicide? Um, I think, I think definitely. I think right now we're in a shift where like 50 years ago, people doing yoga was not normal. Like, if you were doing yoga, you were on the outliers. Like, you were weird. Or meditation. I think these, like, self-care and these mindfulness and just being able to take care of your body and, like, with the health movement that's going on right now, I think we're making, like, a shift in, like, the consciousness of people's thought about taking care of ourselves. And I can't say if someone's going to have a whole album about that, but I think... People are going to just be more willing to actually talk about it and, like, yeah, definitely make songs that more address these topics and issues because I think I think people, are, they're, they're doing it in a way already, but they're kind of celebrating the certain habits that they may have as a result of things that might not be working in their life. But in hip-hop, it's like a they make a celebration of it. Pop it, perk it, just to start up. Pop it, pop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I think I think there definitely can be. A, there's definitely a shift happening, and I wouldn't be surprised if I hear more artists talking about depression, mental health, and these issues because it's affecting the communities and like as as people who are leaders like a Jay Z in that in these communities and up-and-coming stars like Logic, as people are doing more of that and it's resonating with people, I think just people are going to follow suit as well. What do you think? Um, I think it's it's a slow progression. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's something that's probably like next year everybody's going to drop an album pertaining to that. It would be great if they did. I do think it's a very slow, slow progression because we're, we are still in the popular realm of trap, trap, trap music. And, I mean, I don't really hear a lot of songs that discuss mental health um in the trap realm um so i think it's going to be a slow progression i think more of the conscious rappers are going to speak more about it explicitly i think now that you know we have like the j cole and the kendrick lamars the big sean um over here and then we have everyone else over there i feel like you know and then the wale's too because he does speak about some really i forgot about wale (laughs) you know and and i I didn't even mention that J. Cole was at the festival. He killed it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think more of the conscious rappers are actually going to speak more and explicitly about these issues, and they'll drop it in an album, um, a couple tracks. So, like I said, I see slow progression. For it to be universal, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I would love to see it happen because I do think, especially with a Joe Button interview, I mean, he was saying that he's like, listen, if we talk about rappers out here who got mental health issues, it would be a whole show. Because, like, it's a lot of them. And, you know, when you listen to their lyrics, and he was like, you know, people listen to songs for enjoyment, but when you listen to their songs, they're saying stuff in their songs about them either being depressed or something along mental health. And to us, it's just a good beat, yeah. and it's a solid verse, but there's something more to it. And, um... I would like to see that become a trend where there are more performances about these issues because I think mental health is very severe and it's very important, especially, you know, it's a kind of bringing close to home in the black community. And as, you know, we have Trump as president, as much as we may joke, we may ha-ha and laugh, but the turn of events and things that have been happening, that could take a toll on somebody. You know, it takes a toll on people of color, black people in this country. It's like, okay, this is what's happening. You know what I'm saying? No one thought Charlottesville was going to happen and look, look... Of where we at, yeah. Um, and it's many sides, so we just don't know what's going on. So many sides, many sides. That's so, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I think that has taken a toll for some of us. That it's just that's why I really don't watch the news heavy because to me it's depressing, and it's not because I know crime happens, but the fact that this man is president and the fact that he's getting away with murder. And the fact that he doesn't have to speak proper English when he gives speeches is mind-boggling to me. So I do think at some stage it does take a toll on people like us. And I think mental health issues are very important. But like I said, I would like to see more rappers 
talk about it, but more so have a conversation about it. Because that Style P interview, check it out on The Breakfast Club if you haven't seen it already. He was very open and vulnerable about it. And I would love to see more of that. You know, not because he cried, but shit, he did cry. He showed that side of him. And Joe Button seen that interview and he started crying. That's how impactful it was. And as I was watching it and Joe Button reaction, I kind of got emotional. Because I was like, this is, like, it's deep. It's a very serious topic. And mm -hmm. it's something we don't discuss, but it should talk, be talked about a lot. Yeah. Throughout the season, we will be dropping gems about wellness and self-care. We think it is very vital, especially in relation to what we just discussed about mental health and suicide. And Pierre is all about taking care of himself mentally, emotionally, and physically. And even financially, too, I would say. Yes. So throughout this season and even future seasons, we plan on having segments pertaining to wellness. And Pierre, for those of you who may not know, is a life coach. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeffrey just, like, threw me on the spot there. You want to be surprised right now? <laughs> um, so, you know, with all that we've been discussing, and we talk about life coaches and stuff like that throughout the show, what made you decide to become a life coach? Um, honestly, like what we were talking about earlier in the show, like when I was going through my quarter-life crisis when I was 25, mm -hmm. just being depressed all the time, not wanting to go out or really do anything and then when I did go out just overindulging in alcohol and my body not feeling good my mind not feeling good I just was in a really dark place and actually getting out of that and um I, re I actually remember the conversation I was on a flight coming back from London with my best friend and we were just talking about what makes us happy because I was just letting him know, like, I needed this vacation. I had just had, like, such a crazy few months at work. Like, this was something I was looking forward to, mm -hmm. and it was everything that I needed it to be at the time. And we were just talking about what, what, what are we passionate about? What do we enjoy doing? And I basically told him I like helping people I enjoy like anything that I've learned that adds value to my life I just like sharing that with people because if I see it work for me then I want to pass that on to someone else um, and I want them to share with other people as well and I I'm very candid in terms of just sharing with people like what I'm going through like I I kind of, I sometimes I don't have a filter but I'll say too much things and mm -hmm. so he knew everything that I was going through and how I felt about my position that I was in in life at the time and so he saw me go through that going through the depression and then I started turning things around listening to different motivational speakers started changing my fitness routines the food that I was putting in my body I started getting on the meditation and just trying to do everything that I could to stack the deck to get out of that depression and just be healthy vibrant and happy and um, he basically kind of put the idea in my head like listen you are coming from a place of experience with this and you were able to help yourself and you've always just been that person who connects with people and always helping people out like why why don't you do this as a living why is this something that you can see yourself helping people and adding value to people's life on a daily basis and be compensated for it as well and I'm like that sounded crazy but I remember that conversation. We literally were, I was tearing up when we were talking about it. Because one, just the fact that he knew me so well. Like, mm -hmm. he just knew just the type of person I was. And I didn't think about it in that way until he brought it out for me. And so yeah, that's probably the very first time I thought about being a coach, working with people, and just helping them, whether they're dealing with issues or helping them create the future that they want for themselves. So... That that's when it happened. That was about two years ago. Sweet. And um, so discuss advantages and disadvantages of being a life coach. Um, I think advantages. I genuinely believe that all humans, we for the most part, even though we're all different in so many different ways, but at the core, human beings are the same. Like we all need love. We all need affection, support. That um wellness and self-care and when you're just working with people and you're talking to people you you start to see patterns in 
how people react to things, how people can self-sabotage themselves in certain situations. So just being able to talk to people and connecting and just learning what people go through and patterns that they go through, it gets you present for those things in yourself. So anyone that I'm talking to or working with, I it just opens a window to look at myself as well because I'm constantly trying to grow. I'm constantly trying to be the best version of myself and just be better. And so I love that just being able to gain value and gems from people when you're hearing things that they're going through or just how they look at life when certain issues they're dealing with or things they're trying to to accomplish. Um, uh, in, in addition to that, I would say just just really connecting with people, just being able to go deep and actually have real intimate conversations. I think a lot of times people are very superficial and we don't have real conversations. Like you'll walk by and you'll ask someone, hey, how you doing? But most people don't really want to know yeah. how you're doing. What It's just kind of like, it's that autopilot response. So just being able to go deep and just connecting with people, um, I love that. I I hate superficial conversations. Like, I want to keep it real. Like, <laughs> to the point, some people just get uncomfortable. Like, but I think that's when you really you really connect with people. That's why I like sharing a lot of things that go on in my life, unapologetically. Because I think when you, I wasn't even I wasn't even trying to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I think when you're just like you're sharing yourself with people and you're just being vulnerable, like you said with Styles P, people connect and resonate with that vulnerability, and you can open up things that may have not moved for them by you just putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. So and be who you are. Exactly. So Ooh. what about the disadvantages? Um, disadvantages. Are there any? Um, I think I think with everything there can be disadvantages and kind of like what we were saying earlier, not being able to say no, like always feeling like sometimes I put my own priorities, like taking care of myself first. Sometimes I put that on the back burner because I'm constantly just working on trying to just help other people. And I think it's, that's something I got to constantly remind myself. If I'm dead or if I'm not bringing the healthiest, happiest, most energetic version of myself in anything that I'm doing, I can't be of service to people to to the best of my ability. So just knowing when to take a step back and not take on too much. And, and sometimes you can talk to people and find out things that they're dealing with when people feel close and are willing to connect and share with you. So just kind of not always like really keeping that internalized and like making it bring you down sometimes because I think... There's a lot of shit that people deal with and sometimes when you're learning about this and you're being that support from people, those issues can weigh on you just as much. I think humans, we really connect to one another. Yeah. And like you said, Joe Budden started crying even though he didn't lose someone. Just seeing the suffering that Styles P was going through, that in, in uh, innately we get that connection and we're feeling those same emotions that he's feeling. So when you're dealing with people and you're talking to people who are dealing with emotions and difficult times in their lives, it can definitely weigh on you as well. So just being able to kind of take a step back and, like they say, not bring work home with you. But so yeah. I think that's, that's definitely something I try to be conscious of, conscious of in this line of work. Cool. And um, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I know being a life coach, you kind of center yourself around your clientele and you want to make sure you put your best foot forward in terms of being there being supportive and offering advice and everything of that sort so I'm glad you put that out there because that really means that you wear your heart on your sleeve and you take being a life coach very seriously and last question is for you um what are the stigmas associated with being a life coach that you want to dispel that's a really good question I'm I'm happy you asked me that to be honest um, I think the biggest thing I want to dispel is that nobody actually needs a life coach. It's a, more of a something that you want. And shout outs to my life coach, Josh. He's amazing. He actually got me present to that, that thought. And basically when I got my life coach, 
the only reason I did it is because I wanted to be authentic. If I'm going to have the audacity to say that I could help you, I could work with you in creating whatever you're trying to create for your life or things that you might be dealing with, I need to be authentic in the fact that I also have a coach as well. So initially, me getting my own coach was just to have that authenticity. But then I realized that he definitely has been a support for me in terms of just someone that I can be straightforward with, who's gonna talk to me and speak to me coming from who he knows I am as a person and not the circumstances that might be weighing me down at the moment. And just like the possibilities that I'm trying to create for my future. Um, and again, it's something that people want to do. It's No one needs a life coach. You've gotten to this point in your life and it's working, but some people may want that extra edge or want that person there to be accountable for them. They don't want to share. They're, they're not as open as sharing with other people. So having that life coach, someone who's going to just be able to connect with you, but still have that sense of confidentiality, but support you in what you're trying to create, I think can be a very powerful tool for people. And But it's something that you decide that you want to do. No one needs one. You're not broken. You don't have any issues because we're all dealing with shit at the end of the day. So I think that's what I want to dispel about it. Oh, wow. I'm glad you mentioned that. And the great work that you're going to continue to do as a life coach. And as I mentioned, Pierre will be sharing his wonderful gems pertaining to being a life coach throughout our episode for the remainder of the season. So please tune in um, and get some good insight about that. So before we end our show, you know, we had a very heavy topic pertaining to mental health and suicide, and I just thought that it was really important that we discuss this before we end off. If you are someone you know are suffering from depression or feel suicidal in any way, please ensure that you are that person. Contact the suicidal hotline at 1-800-278-8255. Once again, the number is 1-800-278-8255. And on that note, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I love this one. It was definitely, yeah, definitely important. Like, we have to have these conversations. So definitely follow us for our latest updates on Instagram at underscore unapologetically underscore different. You can reach out to us on Twitter at unapologetic two underscores D. You can contact us on Facebook at unapologetically different. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Lastly, if you, you can send us an email at unapologeticallydifferent@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.